Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. I'm Benjamin Holden. So today we have a very special guest with us on the podcast, Mr. Niall Wilson, who is a former British gymnast. Do you know what I almost said then? Because a joke I read on my notes before, I was going to say it when we came up. It used to be a, uh, a former gymnast and is now a homosexual porn star. Well, it's probably best not to leave with that there, is it? Where have you read that from? <laughs> it's from your OnlyFans page. How, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no we, one knows this. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been literally off, off air having a conversation of when the C word becomes relevant. And we were having this discussion that it's all based upon accents and, yeah. and where you are in the country. I think your accent suits it pretty well where you can get away with just dropping it quite blase. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm not like it's not in every sentence, but we just talked about swearing on the podcast. But I think if you're from Leeds, yeah, and like I've grown up with my like it's my mum's favourite word, and that's what my dad's name is in my mum and dad's house because mm. she would call him that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, yeah, I, I would use I will use the C bomb. It's not on this podcast though. No mate, you can you can drop it. I think it's quite an Aussie thing as well. Isn't it? you call someone? Oh, you silly cant. Like it, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it that sounds, sounds so different goes, though. Goes, but if I say it, like if it's a Liverpool accent, like you fucking cunt, it sounds like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, gonna yeah. slice you off. Been stabbed <laughs> yeah, when you fact. say it. Right, you ready? You ready? Silly cunt. Yeah. There you go. Yours was, yours was yeah. Yours was quite soft. I mean, for one, I've I've never said it, and I'm not going to on this podcast. No good. So you could probably put, you could probably me. put your kid to bed with that. And it'd be one way you get away with silly cunt. People are going to be listening who listen to this podcast being like, sorry, what guest have you got on today? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a role model athlete, guys. What the hell is going on? Yeah, bad influence. <laughs> have you got Have you got access to the the video? Yeah. So um, the one thing I looked at straight away, because I went onto your Instagram page again, and um, I think it was from when you were down gym shot the other day. Mate, how many attempts did that basketball shot take? It was first go. Was it? No, it Fuck wasn't. off. No, I'm. <laughs> that <laughs> that can't have been I'm gonna yeah. get. I'm gonna get Cal to put it up on screen as well because this was. <laughs> this is insane. No, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I said I got there. And it was like lads' day, so you've got the usual heads there. Matt was there. The big guys, you know what I mean? They were like, "Yeah, let's train. Let's train." I think they were training chest. There we go. That's just Mate, that is fucking there. ridiculous. How did that- you not put a wager on that? By the way, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like. I bet you like a grand I can no. get it in from here. Well, me and me and Ethan Bazinga there, we we were sort of having a bit of a. You know, I was like, how much if I do it? Yeah. Because to be honest, I, I, in answer to your question, it would took about an hour, but like in and out, I had about maybe forty to fifty goes. So the next day, my legs and you know just repeatedly, yeah, yeah. I had like shin splints. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, it was just sort of started raining as well, and I think everyone the reaction was perfect because no one really believed I would gonna do it even myself i hit the rim seven times oh and then um swooshed it so i was that, that was, was pretty insane. special while all them lot were getting a pump on so I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a real gym shark athlete you know yeah. what I mean? Big, biggest moment of your career that do you know what's actually so hilarious i was with my mum yesterday i was like oh we've got niall on the podcast she went is, is he the one who um jumps in his underpants <laughs> and i went what do you mean and she she literally pulled up this video of you just like jumping in your pants. That video went viral, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was that one of, literally one of our most mental ones. That yeah. And do you know what I think it is? Because you couldn't. I can post some of the most incredible gymnastics in the in the world, world class. And I did on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, the sort of the public eye and most people, they don't really connect. It's like no. I don't know whether that's good or not. Like it's crazy. But then you do a backflip into some <laughs> underpants. Like everyone knows how to get dressed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it, it, the way it looks and stuff. So. Yeah, that, that went absolutely mental. Like, worldwide news and everything. This video of me. Here we go. Yeah, what's Look, the house? <laughs> that's an American news channel, isn't it? Was it? <clears throat> but I've got to give credit to my mate Luke. Oh, my God. Who who did it first. He did it, like, he'd been on his in- Instagram about a week and it obviously did really well. And I was like, right, oh. let's step it up. And it, did that not really, like, hit your, your balls? <laughs> no, nah, it's all right. It was oh. fine. It was more scary holding the pants. Oh, in case they got your fingers off. Yeah, it's, it was, yeah. But I, I struggle in the morning to find a pair of boxes. I don't have a hole in it. I don't know how you've backflipped <laughs> into yours and the yeah. first thing. If you ask, it's two legs at a time. That's how I get dressed. <laughs> one, um, one of the things I want to touch on today was your retirement from gymnastics mm-hmm. as well. Was that last, last year? Um, officially this January, I, I announced my retirement, but I had not trained for about a year. It's been about With a year. The COVID now. stuff and everything, I've gone on that slowed stuff down as well yeah well the story the story is i'd 
like things started to take a left turn in 2019. I had neck surgery. So I had a disc uh, replacement and fusion surgery on my spine, which was like horrific injury. Really, really, I struggled with my mental health, everything. What year was that, sorry? 2019, February 2019. And it was one of those where it's not, um, you don't just have an injection in your wrist because they're sore or you can have a quick surgery and have mm -hmm. a few months. It was like, I, couldn't, I could barely walk. Do you know what I mean? I was getting all this nerve pain in my neck, down my spine, in my arm. It was like horrific. It had completely herniated and was on the top of a nerve, the disc. So I got it removed and that sort of the process following that with my body is, has just never been the same and I've always struggled and I, I, I wanted to get back and then I had another blip and it was just I just seemed to run into roadblocks and my body couldn't you know couldn't really get back and then I think middle of last year when lockdown hit I obviously had my own gym like gymnastics club so I was like brilliant I've got an extra year and I was injured so I was like perfect when everyone's having to train at home I was driving to my own gym which was down the road and I had access to everything perfect mm. so I was like really focused I was like I'm gonna take it you know take this seriously mm. and step up and try to get ahead of the game um, and then in my neck just started hurting again and then it turns out I had another the similar issue on the level above in my spine um, another bulging disc and I was that was it I think when the doctor told me that I was like it's getting to the point where I'm risking my physical health for a fulfillment life mm -hmm. like for a fulfilled life do you know what I mean I, I, I want to be able to throw my kids up and play with them I want to be able to play golf with my dad for the rest of my life and it's like is an Olympic gold medal worth that risk yeah. absolutely not for me <laughs> so I think when it got to that point I was just like nah I'm done I'm done and um, still try to figure it out now. <laughs> I've, um, because I've watched most of the documentary that you did as well as the silent- the Silent battle. That's mm -hmm. the one. Just for people who haven't heard it, how did you actually do the injury as well? Um, well, it was it was over a number of years. I think I landed on my head when I was 21, which oh when you when you do that and you, you tweak something in your neck, it's very difficult for a neck injury to disappear or it takes longer because your neck's literally holding your head above your mm -hmm. shoulders and you, know, you can't escape it. Imagine, yeah, I hurt my ankle, I just go to bed and elevate it. Yeah. It, in bed, your neck's like the worst, you can't get comfortable on the pillows, it's like, don't go away. So I think the process after that, and then I did something in training where I felt it go. Um, and then I had three epidural injections over the, cross, the course of 12 months before I had my surgery. So this wasn't just a, you know, wake up one day, yeah. something was going on. It was, it was on, going on for a long time and then, I was doing a tumble on the floor in, in the gym or on a training camp and, and I knew as I hit the floor to jump into another flip, I could feel it just went, this completely herniated, ripped, um, came out. And then the, the following sort of seven days was, you know, when I was actually in Germany, so I had to fly home. I honestly don't know how, to this day how I got on the flight. What were you like the first night there when you just gone back to your room and then you fucking... Well, I was... Um, so at the time I was in like literally 10 out of 10 excruciating pain. All the boys were, we were actually, we were away in Germany on a camp. They're all playing FIFA in my room. And I was like, this is work. This is the worst case scenario. I was like, fuck out yeah. of my room. Um, and then it's not, it's not been the first time I've done this, but I was like, I need to get rid of this pain. We were away. I couldn't have a drink. Couldn't have anything like that. So I was just, I was just online gambling on Willie Mill, just playing roulette on my phone, on my phone, just to try and get my mind away from the pain. And I guess it won't, you know, we can go a little bit more into detail with that. Then I got home, don't know how, and then I managed to see the cert, the guy, I think two days after, and I couldn't get into, which, by the way, this is ridiculous treatment when you're sort of on the Olympic pathway, we can get things so quick. I think it was 10 days from when I did that to when I was having mm -hmm. surgery, which is unheard of, and I'm obviously massively grateful for that, but that 10 days to two weeks, I was in 10 out of 10 because my disc was on a nerve, so the, the pain didn't go away. Yeah, I just took codeine, drank alcohol, gambled for that for the next two weeks on my own in my flat. And it was just- Was that just to mask the pain? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Had you been into gambling before that as well? Or was this kind of like the first thing or was it one of those things that I'd always kind of um, been a subconscious pleasure to you that you'd picked up because you had more time? Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a bit of a story with that, like from, from turning 18, obviously being allowed to. Yeah. I think it was on my 18th birthday, I went into a casino for the first time and won like 200 quid. So I, to be honest, if I go back, I wish I lost money. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. then that- You got that dopamine. I got the buzz. Yeah, I was like, wow, trigger, that, yeah. was, that was fucking sick. Yeah, fucking sick and yeah, so easy. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think over time, the traits of, of being an athlete 
are very, very connected with being a gambler because you're, you're very all in or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all or nothing. You know, and and also gambling was is a silent killer, I think, for athletes because there's no hangover. So you can go out and party all night and have the great feeling, the dopamine, everything, you know, what you're seeking, and then a horrific hangover, you're not going to be at a train. Whereas I could be in a casino on my own for four hours and still be at a sleep, not have any physiological effects. Yeah. So I think that's why athletes, and I won't be the, the only person, tend to sway more towards gambling just to seek escapism from mm -hmm. their, like, tunnel vision life. And it's very connected to, I, you know, I got adrenaline every day in the gym doing all this crazy stuff, and I got adrenaline when I was... Gambling, it was just, you know, something I, when I was 18, 19, over time, just slowly, you know, I lost a bit of yeah. control with it. And I did get, actually, I got help. So um, when I was 19, I saw a psychologist and told my parents that I'd been, because I used to go off and gamble at the casino on my own at 19 years old. And I knew that that was not right. Like, mm. I was hiding, I was lying, I was yeah. losing money that I shouldn't have lost. And so I got help and, you know, I didn't really gamble for two years. And I think that the next, two or three years and the neck was a bit more of a bit of a trigger for me there. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I've not felt this low and being in this much pain. The easiest thing for me to do right now is I'll just try and escape it with, yeah. with some gambling again. And it did sort of, you know, kick spiral again. And, you know, fortunately I have a lot of support and I'm, I'm open enough to be able to go, I recognize it and I'll tell I've got good, great people around me, mm -hmm. but yeah, gambling, I've had a bit of a. So it was really your form of escape, isn't it? Definitely. It's, it's gambling's a, uh... It's not a funny thing. It's it's a weird thing, and there's Jordan Peterson talks about a bit about gambling as well. And he was saying it's one of the human urges to gamble that is profound, universal, and primal. I it's innate within us all for us to seek some kind of pleasure yeah. and take risk, but we never really understand the the chances that are involved in it. We just seek, seek that dopamine hit, yeah. and then once we get it, it's triggered. And this is why the government commercialise a lot off gambling and make profit of it because. They, they pretty much know how to hardwire machines to keep you drawn in obviously all the time coming yeah. back coming back coming back so that's why it can be sort of one of those risky holes or rubber holes for, I've had mates who have lost fucking everything from oh, from gambling as well and that's why it's hard when you see the gambling websites like fucking yeah ga gamble responsibly that fucking doesn't happen yeah. and then you, you see a big inf I'm not even talking like I say influencers you've got people like Jose Marino on Adverto pushing yeah. gambling and it's like there's obviously going to be uh, head back from it at some point because you've got people pushing, pushing, pushing it from sort of both directions and funneling people into it. It's an interesting topic because I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I think you can, it can be really pleasurable and you can enjoy it mm. if you're the type of person that can just take it and leave it. And it's just like, yeah, I'll have some fun with my mates. I enjoyed that. Like I'm always, it is that seeking the risk and competition. I'm always creating little funny games with my mates. You ever do that where it's like, how much would you, you know, would you take to do that? Yeah. Or like you know just dares gambles all the time like we live together i live with my mates and it's like, it's like that all the time um but i think when you get sort of wrapped into st starting to frequently do it it could be sports betting it could be roulette it could be blackjack it could be like for me it was roulette and it becomes a frequent thing and then also like you say you're seeking that dopamine you've either got it because you're winning or then you you're chasing your loss mm. so like you know that you can win it back if you're down so then when you start getting into that spiral and it gets more dangerous. And then the casinos treat me, treat me like royalty because I was spending so much money. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like February, until I admitted I, I've, I've banned myself from every casino in the UK. It wasn't until I said, I've got a problem with this, then the casino was like, right. You know, because it, it's sort of- Trying to shelter a little bit. You know, there'll be thousands and millions of gambling, people who have got gambling problems, but the, the most difficult thing, and it's mainly men, they'll struggle to, to be brave enough to go, yeah. I've got a problem Open with this. Open up about it. You know, and unfortunately I did that at 19 and then I was able to have, be brave enough to, and then it was a bit scarier the second time round because my life was in such a different financial position. At 19, I'd, yeah. I'd not done the Olympics. I was earning 20 grand a year, if that. So I'm, I was going, but I was playing with 20, 50 quid. The second time round when I started Long going more. to the casino again, like, you know, I've got all this, I've got this YouTube, I've got these businesses, I've got, Olympic medals and it so quickly got out of control, man. Like spending tens of thousands just easily every week. And I was like, Phew. I don't know if you watch, um, do you follow a guy called Steve Will Do It? I do, yeah. Hey, I, I think it was his last episode. He was racing 69 for like 100 grand. Yeah. The 100 meter race, and I was like, they just lost, lost 600 grand in the casino. And he went outside and was like, I've got, I've got this itch, just need to scratch with betting. Do you want to do 100K for 
a race and he was like, let's yeah. do a 200k. Mate, he's had these bags of cash. I watched him, the, the Nelt boys, they're taking over the internet as well. Yeah, like, mate, the, and they nuts. can understand why. And they've obviously, the marketers, the market movers. Yeah. Like they've, they've, I think the, I don't like personally, really like that content because the appeal is their crazy yeah, yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. And they've obviously earned millions and millions and millions off the businesses. And it's like gold chain, gold watch, diamonds, mm. pl- private jets, casino with six nine, gambling a million quid, mm. buying the car for this, and it's it's phenomenal to be able to see that. But I'm like, my brand is sort of the complete opposite. Mm. You know, just more simple. I'm inspired, trying to inspire people to get off the sofa and go maybe go work out. And but it is, it's fascinating to watch them guys what they're doing, man. I think that's why it's scary because people can be so easily hooked into that, and also. Again, with that kind of thing, they they only see the highlight reel of it. They're not seeing all of the shit they're going through yeah. day to day. But I think that's obviously why, with what you're pushing, is uh, there's an end goal there with it as well. Um, as a having that sort of side of entertainment, but then also having the information which we want to get that blend of infotainment with, which is which is great as well. And and one of the th- other things you touched on there is like male vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So I think it's in society. Society doesn't want males to be vulnerable at the end of the day. And we, we, whether that comes from men or women or, or both, we massively squash that and, and make it harder for men to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the big things for me today, That I, why I wanted to touch about that, because I think it was a very, very brave and commendable thing that you did when you came out and talked about that. I'm sure that helped a lot of people because on the Instagram post I did last week, it was um, Suicide Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And I spoke about it on the podcast last year when it happened, it was when we were in lockdown yeah. and I went through a period of where I was contemplating taking my own life. Mm-hmm. And I spoke about it and the amount of messages I had off the back of it. Like I know that you had a lot of message from the yeah, yeah. the documents that you did. And I think it's not, one in one sense, it's like, fuck me, this is horrible seeing how many people are actually living with it and not speaking about it. Yeah. But but then you, at the same time, you also get a sense of sort of positivity that you've put out there and been vulnerable about it. And then someone else has also maybe done something about it or spoken about it to someone else or even spoken about it with you for the very first time as well. Yeah, I mean, that um, <clears throat> that documentary film was like one of the proudest, most fulfilling things I've ever created and my team has. You know, I was I was crying when it went out, just the response, the response of it. And the, the whole goal with it was just to tell my story, but maybe if that, that story went out, it could have just helped one person. I think it's got like nearly a million views now, which is phenomenal on, on YouTube. But if that could have just helped one person, then mm. it was all worth it, telling mm. it. Do you know what I mean? And obviously it had much, like such a big an Im- impact. And I think my story as well, and there's been a lot of guys and athletes in particular, like, you know, Tyson Fury is a fucking great example. Yeah, brilliant example. champ of the world. Where it's, we are alpha superhumans. You know the the, the dons of mm. our sport, and we're in the limelight, and I'm strong, and I've got muscles, and I can do all this shit, and I'm winning medals. So it's like the last thing we are wired to do is show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm I'm alpha, I'm the man, and I think, like you said, you bottle it in, and you don't realize how many hundreds of thousands and millions of people are having the same thoughts and they're struggling, they're battling with mental health. And they, they don't want to show that vulnerability, and they, all they probably need is just a conversation with a friend. But lads don't want to do it. No. They don't want to talk about feelings, man. And I, and I, over time, I don't know whether I've, I've got a great family and they were very open and close. So maybe I've just been sort of developed over time to be able to be confident to talk about my feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't mind crying, you know, like. But even still, a lot of my friends, it's like anywhere near the word feelings or anything deep, it's like run away. Now let's just have a beer and have a laugh. Like we don't do that. And I think making that film hopefully i wanted to try and inspire particularly men to just think about that differently like why not it's like if i can do it you can do it and just it's not a it's not a vulnerable or a bad thing to talk about how you're feeling and then like one of the biggest challenges is for me when i was in in it battling i had no idea what was going on for me so again that film there might be be able to resonate with oh shit, i feel like that or i felt like that but i didn't get it I just sort of muscled through it. Oh, I had a drink, which again, you know, addiction was a lot of yeah. b- big part of that story. Um, but yeah, raising awareness that I'm, I'm all about it, man. I fucking love it. I think um, that's like one of those things, just reflecting back to the the whole highlight reel sort of ethos of social media yeah. that a lot of people don't speak about. I don't think everyone has a duty to 
publish every, like I didn't sit there and when we're having fucking mass arguments about whatever we're having at home like she's pissed me off one day she's <laughs> fucking done something what, yeah, left, I think what left, I'm doing. left the toilet seat up some shit like that you don't publish everything but it's always nice to see those other elements and know do you know what he's actually a human being mm. he's actually really he actually feels emotion he actually feels pain there's actually negative things that go on apart from him being this world renowned gymnast and other stuff that's going on and I think that's even more powerful and and obviously in, in this year's Olympics as well I think we had was it Simone yeah who really opened up and spoke phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. and again it opened up the question about gymnastics and there was a, a documentary on <laughs> Lisa thought it was called the fucking 18 it was called Athlete I knew it had the word A in and there's a film called 18 but we yeah. it is Athlete A yeah. have, you watched, I, have you watched it? yeah, yeah. it's fucking Crazy, it? it's terrifying I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like I came from competitive swimming and I, I, from looking at gymnastics, it looks a hell of a lot worse. I think we struggled as young swimmers, like nutritionally being weighed, body image, but never personally to the extent of like freaking mm. sexual assault. Ne yeah. like, never ever. But I think that, um, that documentary was powerful. And yeah. obviously uh, the sexual boost, Larry Nasser, horrific you know there's that's not not that you know it's fucking horrific and yeah. the, the stories that go how brave those girls was and all the survivors but i think as an athlete and it's me watching that I, I cried for 20 minutes after watching that and i think it was the the realization of what i've grew up through in my sport which by the way i fucking love this my everything gymnastics you realized what was normalized was abuse you took the words out of my mouth, yeah. It was. It, I. I just. I sat. I honestly, and I know. I'll, I'll. I'll develop, and I'll. I'll go into this more. I have no personal vendetta against anything. It was just the culture of it. It yeah. was the culture. So there's no like my coach was this and they did this and then it's like, I sat there and realized, holy shit, like I was physically and emotionally abused through my young years doing gymnastics because that's what the culture had created and thought that's how we create world level athletes and Olympic champions. And I was like, holy shit. And then that sort of, that, that film coming out sparked a worldwide sort of bravery for us to speak then. And mm -hmm. so no, actually I was. And then, you know, the, the hundreds and hundreds of stories coming from British gymnastics, um, ex-athletes, current athletes. I went on the BBC. Yeah, so like, you, you with Dan Rowan. Mm -hmm. um, and the headline was, you know, we were, We've been, we should be treated like pieces of meat, which I, you know, I believe and told the story. And I think it's sort of fantastic that we try to make that change now. Do you know what I mean? Even your story was slightly dismissed, wasn't it? From when you spoke up about it at first. Yeah, well, it was, that was one of the most scary things I've ever done, by the way. Because basically what, what I think the culture has created over time, it's like we're sort of at the bottom of the future and we're the guys going out winning Olympic medals and getting 17 million pound funding for the cycle, which was one, that was what I did. Mm -hmm. But we're down here. You know, the, the times haven't developed and the governing body are just, I feel like they don't value us as much and they keep us down there in terms of like we own you. So you need to behave otherwise. And all, all, all it is at the end of the day is what, I don't know how it's been created, but we just want to get selected for that team. We want, mm. I want to make the Olympics. So I'm going to do what I'm told by the governing body and by the coaches and not set a foot out of line because they could threaten me not going, me mm -hmm. not making that team. Do you know what I mean? So it felt like that. It did feel like that. It was like that. Did, so, did so, they... so speaking out about it was petrifying. I bet it was. You know, I was, at the time I was still training. For, I wanted to go to Tokyo at the time as well. Do you know what I mean? Did they, so they have, so say someone spoke up about it, would the governing body as a whole and the coach have that power to say, nah, yeah, sorry, they're not it. on the team? They would have that. But also, so, I mean, I, I can't talk too much about this story. It's going to be in my book, actually. I'm releasing a book in October. Oh, that's sick. Which Congrats. is cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, I had recently, I think it, was, it inspired me to speak out because I'd, you know, there's the whole last two decades and now gymnastics as a culture, but mm -hmm. I had something specific happen to me in December, where I was, oh, well, be careful what I say here. <laughs> where I was like physically assaulted by a member of staff at the gymnastics club that I was training at Leeds. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got CCTV footage of everything. 
Um, so, you know, granted it was at a Christmas party, but it was not right. So, and, and I started the next day, I took a couple of days to look over and I was like, no, that's not right. And I, I want to start a grievance process. I want to put in a co official complaint, mm -hmm. you know. So long, long story short, the whole information was gathered by Leeds Gymnastics. <laughs> the outcome was absolutely nothing. So she didn't even get a slap on the wrist, like not a warning, anything. I've got, I've got a video of this, mate. like I'll show you after the podcast. And then also British Gymnastics emailed me and said, this is a really short version of it, but they yeah. said, yeah. by the way, if this goes out on any public domain, domain yeah. um, further action won't be taken. So what's that? Like, to me, that's a threat. You know, if, if you post this on your social oh, media. Yeah, it's absolute blackmail. What? We'll do this. Yeah. yeah. So like, and then they just dismiss it. So, and also in the emails, it was like, made it out to be my fault. So also, so a member of staff assaulted a gymnast. And by the way, she was a female. If it was a male doing this to a female gymnast, I've got a video of it. Be a different story. Oh, it'd be a, it Crazy, would be a completely, completely different story. story. Like, it wouldn't work. And the whole process has happened, which I think is flawed. They've said, no, 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 it's your fault. And also, shut up. Do yeah. not say anything about this. Otherwise, we're going to, what's that? What's further action? Otherwise, we're not going to select you for the team. So that's just an example in, in 2020 that that's going on behind the scenes mm -hmm. with, the, with the governing body. Do you know what I mean? So, but look, it's, it's changing. It's changing. I love the sport. Like, I, it's a difficult conversation to have yeah, of because of how is, much yeah. I love it and how much how much joy it's brought me and and everyone else. But the, there has been challenges over the last two decades. And thankfully, thank God, that documentary was created, which gave us the bravery to yeah. start shifting it. And, and by the way, it was so much worse for the for the women's. Do you know what it almost sounds like that as well? Have you ever seen the film? I'm sure you have, Gladiator. Mm. Almost sounds. My name is Maximus. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Don't say you're turning me on. Um, <laughs> is as, that the one as, when they're in that big coliseum? Yes, yes. So it almost sounds as a gymnast, you were almost like one of the gladiators. And although you're the performers and the heroes, it's that to the guys who own the gladiators yeah. and stuff who uh, really run the really policy and stuff. Oh, it's really good at yeah. that, That's how it almost You're sounds. You're going to have to quote Ben in your book now when you, <laughs> <laughs> you pop that in it. 2%. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it almost sounds like. And, and then at the same time as well, obviously you're speaking about this and talking about this and this is in 2020. You can only imagine what goes on in those countries that don't have equal rights and don't the voices aren't heard and how much they're squashed and say, no, you stay behind there and you get on with the yeah, shit and yeah. deal with it, whatever, in those countries which are, aren't as uh, as civilised as, as we are in the UK. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really like that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a gladiator as well, to yeah, be fair. You are, mate. <laughs> better looking than some <laughs> <laughs> but No, but 100%. In that, in that same time, which is weird as well, um, you had the Netflix documentary as well, which are about... Uh, Weinstein, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Russell Simmons, and R. Kelly as well. There's that era where there's a lot of weird shit happening. There's sort of these sex victims that were coming out and speaking about it. Mm -hmm. There's children who've been molested, and a lot of it was going on in in sport as well behind closed doors. And if I was one of their parents of that NASA guy, I would have. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, you know, if I found out, I'd have to go in there, chop his fingers off. It's mad, yeah. Probably would have. Terrific. Horrific. Taking his penis on, putting his forehead, so I'm like, you are the real dickhead. Now I can't even, I wouldn't even been able to control my emotions. And there was things that was going on there where I think I remember that, that there was no parents or adults allowed on one of the training camps or facilities. I mean, straight away that'd be like fucking red, red flag. flag. Yeah, but I mean, mate, it was, and I've talked about it with my parents, and and they've like openly said, my dad said like we were part of the problem because we let it, because honestly it was so normalised. For, for whatever reason and then there was a lot of this is normal I don't want to step out of what's normal I don't want to be the person that's like complaining mm -hmm. we, we kind of get silenced and also I want my child to be an Olympic champion yeah I do like obviously I want him to be happy but I was a talented kid I was on I was winning do you know what I mean it's just like we do the thing because we want our child to be you know yeah. ex excel in in the sport of course you do yeah and it just it it's so strange how that, you know, like if I could sit here and tell you stories for the next two hours and you would just be mind blown at what was going on or okay care in 2005 versus 2022, 2021. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but it was, it was just normal and we just got on with it and, you know, that was that was it. But like I say, I'm just so glad that we're starting to make a change. Conversation still, about, yeah. a long, still a long, long way to go. And then, like I said, I think the women's side of it have had it so much tougher with 
obviously the I, I want to put the American story at one side because that sexual abuse it, it, we didn't have sexual abuse yeah. in our yeah. camp, but the women's gymnastics they're all so much younger because you know the the earlier your body is, if you're lighter, if you're smaller, if you're early in development, you're going to be able to do better gymnastics. So like these girls are literally kids, basically, yeah. you know, sixteen year olds going to the Olympics, younger. Um, and it's like, so they are still kids. So they're, they're controlled by the coaching staff and the, the thing. They don't really have a voice mm -hmm. at 16. They just get told, but versus yeah. the men, we all sort of peak in our twenties. Like, you're still you young, know, no, I still- Yeah, but we're, just, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man, do you know what I mean? At 18, yeah. 19, 20, if my coach is, I'm gonna tell him to fuck off, yeah, yeah. fucking bloke. So I think like that, that's just a quick little example as to why that, the women's side got it so much harder and there was so much more intense with like the weight and the, the food and the, um, but yeah. It's just everything surrounding body image though, isn't it? And yeah. I don't even know, you've got it in sport really significantly, like mine completely stem my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And I've spoke to so many people now, cause I quit when I was 18 and I, I was still good. I wanted to go to Rio, but I wasn't, I wasn't quite there waiting any longer i literally had you know when you like you have to quit yeah i absolutely just couldn't take yeah. it further in because it's so intense mm -hmm. and i only recent was it last march that i did a youtube video about yes. having eating disorder and one of my old coaches had messaged me the really nice coach she was a, she was my only female coach that i had and she was like, i had no idea that that was going on because it was at the other club mm -hmm. that I went to, I had a guy coach and it was just, it was just awful. But at the time there's this element of fear. You're actually genuinely scared of even saying anything because yeah. no one else has said anything. So it's like, fucking hell, I'm just absolutely not gonna yeah. even yeah. speak up about it. Food's a big one in gymnastics. Right? I struggled, I struggled with binge eating mm. um, for years, years yeah. and years, like really struggled. And, and I'm pretty much, it's a bold statement, but when I talk about the, the women's side, I'd whether they know it or not, whether they're getting help or not, I've, I think a huge percentage of the female team will have battled or battling with food, mental 100%. health related issues towards food. Like, 100%. Without a doubt. And part of it's being deprived of it, I think, is that the first step. Like, it's a very not, powerful thing to, to you're control. You're not allowed that. So like when you tell, this is just very simplistic, but when you tell a kid they don't want to play with it, you know, when you tell a kid they can't play with a toy, what do they want to do yeah. like, all the time? Yeah. And then that sort of sets up an environment of extremism. So it's like extreme diet, extreme and that's why I, where i struggled even in the men's side i, I know a, lot, a couple of lads have, have had a similar thing where i just couldn't stop eating mm. i'd been i'd binge for full weekends and i've had this little cycle where i'd literally i wouldn't be able to train monday tuesday because i'd be four or five kilos heavier warm yeah. weight from the my weekends binge and then first start of it was shit sessions yeah. and i'd starve as well you do the extreme yeah. you stop eating and then i'd be sort of off semi all right by wednesday back to normal thursday friday then just binging all over the week in the weekend when I'm at home. Do you know what I mean? And it's just that cycle was for years. Were you weighed or was that? Yeah, I got obsessed with that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like every day, all the time. I wasn't like, we wasn't, I, that was my decision. I just become, I, I saw a nutritionist first time when I was 14 and I, I was like, do you know what, I'll try it. I want to be a champion. Mm. And a month of eating better, I felt fucking phenomenal. And then like I could do with everything, I took that to an extreme. I come obsessed with feeling light and getting stronger and getting lighter. And I knew it had a direct impact to the food. So then I became extreme, wouldn't eat any fat, read every label, yeah. did the whole, I'm sure you, it's a very <laughs> exactly like similar, similar yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. And then at these extremes, binge star, binge stars, never purged or anything like that, but just it was a form of that mm. really. Well, you can use your, you can use your sport and you can use your a form of exercise as a purge as well it's called like non-purge bulimia where you use exercise to kind of yeah yeah I used to do the same as yeah. well I'd get on the Monday morning and get on the bike with like hoodies on and just sweat. try it, sweat and then get in the sauna just to see like turn that four kilos to like yeah. you know and I used to do all these extreme things to try and get away with it but the, the bottom line is I couldn't control it once I started eating yeah. I couldn't stop mm. it's I, horrific I believe it's like this point in for and this is just like outside looking in for a lot of athletes there's, a, there's almost I think it's a perfect point. There's almost like a point in someone's career where they can make the switch and do something different to the point where the long lasting effects aren't 
as harsh or you can branch into something else I for, for both of you two sitting here you were at a very top level in swimming you you moved out and um, came to work for like some really handsome gentleman doing work experience and then now you look at you and then you got out of was like, that you by the way it was me yeah. Yeah. how did you guess and then um, you got away and then obviously over the past year like you were already big on YouTube but it just kind of like continued to to rise and success and yeah. now you're doing other stuff and I don't know potentially happier doing that than, than previously but I always believe there's that point where you can either carry on carry on carry on and then performance deteriorates you may become less relevant or there's a point where you can potentially break away at some point and do something else and, and be a lot more successful in another field yeah well they're the same if you have what it takes to be a professional athlete at the top level all of that stuff, all of those traits, how you got there, it's just exactly the same in business and anything you want to do. So like, they're so transferable. But I think for me, like, what the biggest thing I've learned is, um, with all the, the stuff I've been through, with all of my experiences and in retirement, which by the way is the hardest thing for an athlete to fucking mm -hmm. do. Like, cause you're Your saying- identity. Yeah, you're saying now I'm not going to be the person that I've always been. Yeah. What the fuck do I do now? Don't know how to introduce yourself. So, oh, I'm a swimmer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, a, oh, uh, I'm a gymnast. I'm a YouTube. I'm a what? But I was going to say is I, I've learned that I am extreme and I am obsessive and I've got that gene that's, or I'm fucking all in. The thing that I got lost with over time is the direction that I was going, i.e. drinking, gambling, mm -hmm. the food thing, like everything. I'm, I'm going to become obsessed with it. And I think in my self-awareness now is so much higher. I've been battled mental health and, seek, and seeing therapists and learning about all this stuff. For me, I used to be so obsessed with trying to find balance. Yeah. Like, how do you do it? It's impossible. Like, find balance. Like, look at these people that are just sort of, you know, that's sort of in the gray area. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how that? I want that. And I realized at the time, why the fuck do I want that? Like, that's not me. I am, I want, I want black and white. Mm -hmm. But the thing about, me is having the awareness to control and and be disciplined enough to do black and white down the right avenues, yeah. i.e. business, YouTube, still sports. I'm doing loads of other stuff. Like I love skateboarding, golf. Like I'm still an athlete and my friendships and love and everything, family, you know, and of course I will send it at the weekend. I sent it this yeah. weekend. I've been away and I, and I, I don't stop drinking because that's not me. I will, I don't have three drinks and go to bed. And that guys, I'm the guy, I'm the, I was, we was, you know, doing a retreat in Devon. I'm the last guy around the fucking campfire every mm. night because that's me and my mates are similar. So it's, there's three or four of us. <laughs> <laughs> there on but, your fucking neck but I recognize that it's like, okay. And I got to own that. I've made that decision. It was great fun, but you know, and I think that's, I think people will be listening and they'll know that that's them as well. But it's okay, I, I fuck, fuck balance man. Why would you want to? Why would you want a balanced life? In, you know, and that's just me. And uh, you know, I, think. I mean, that's why sometimes it's better though to work off averages rather than absolutes. And what I mean by that is, you've been for a, a drink on the weekend, and it sometimes for people who have that all or nothing mentality. Be like I fucked up the whole week. Everything's fucked. And what you yeah. go look at, you go look at averages. There's, there's fucking seven days in a week. Yeah. Like you can do other stuff. Like for example, you're not you're not boozing every single day for the rest of the week. Like you're off to the gym to train. Yeah. You're doing other shit. You're keeping active. And again, it's looking at things through averages rather than absolutes. And thinking, well, if I just have one day of the weekend where I'm getting twatted, doesn't mean that I'm yeah. unhealthy or I'm a fuck up or I'm a screw up or whatever. And we spoke about this before with sort of. To not binge eating yeah. because a lot of people have that mentality that they've just fucked everything up yeah. and then they spiral into even worse black hole and yeah. it's like if you if you had a car where you had a puncture in one tire you wouldn't go around with a knife and fuck the other four up yeah. and that's the logic that a lot of people apply to when they have a weekend out and go for a booze up or when they have a binge eat or something like that and that's where i suppose we just got to realize that there there is some balance in there but it's more so working off averages rather than absolute thinking yeah. it, it is really that black and white uh, acceptance is the answer to all of our problems and like the bit the shame shame and guilt for me and like loads of people feel it they were the fucking biggest killers because i couldn't deal with shame and guilt and they want it was like yeah that i fucked it i've done that, that you know but then also i was this like inspirational role model athlete that was got a youtube channel to millions of people and hundreds of thousands are watching me every week and i've got to keep that up but i'm trying to be inspiring but I'm drinking and smoking all the time and I fucking 
than gambling. And I'm like, I'm a fraud. Mm. Yeah. And I felt so guilty. And like, and then like say, just my my behavior and my, my mental health just deteriorated and deteriorated and deteriorated. Whereas like now, yeah, I went mental over the weekend. Like it was great fun. I'm sorry, I'm still probably a bit rough to yeah. be honest, <laughs> but I just accept that. It's like- You're accept, human being yeah. as well at the end of the day. I like think that's fine. That's what it's, a lot of people forget. And I suppose when you're in that time, it's probably, we spoke about this in the podcast before, it's probably quite easy to just pick out those negative comments or those negative people that are dropping little bits of shit in your day mm. every now and again, rather than probably focusing on the people who are really supporting you all the time and really got your back and are interested yeah. in what you, you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Because most of the time, people who will be agreeing with what you're doing and supporting what you're doing are the people who don't necessarily comment or don't necessarily say anything to yeah, you. Yeah. They're just kind of silent supporters. But we always pick up on those negatives and that's yeah. what often sort of spirals us into thinking, is what I'm doing really right? Should I be going for a drink and a smoke? And for us, especially, we're like all about that. To having some normality in life and being transparent about it, I think helps other people feel a bit more normal about going to booze at the weekend yeah, and doing yeah. stuff and then getting back into <laughs> stuff in the week as well. Definitely. Like we're all human, like and, and so are so are us. It's like athletes. You know, the amount of times that it'd be since I was a kid, I'd be at a party and I'd go get some chips from the buffet. You, should you be eating that? You are you, you like to eat that? What am I like to eat some fucking chips? Mm. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like you've always, you've forever, since young, you've had that little judgment thing. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. You know, from the from yeah, society, completely. from society, and from social media. Like social media, we could we could talk four hours about mm. how mental that is, good and bad. But yeah, I've always had that people watching. Like I'm I'm not allowed to be normal. Mm-hmm. And then you know over time that that can really affect affect someone like just just human beings and then that sort sort of feeling of shame and guilt can 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 be really challenging have you ever had it where because i had this a little bit because i know your youtube and gymnastics like tied at the same time Mm -hmm. whereas i started after i quit but there was so many people who i swam with who were so unsupportive and they were like very bitchy like the coaches like because i pretty much went straight into fitness after quitting swimming mm-hmm. and i'm probably not friends with any of them now except like one person i swam with i don't know if you've yeah, was definitely. that like similar like kind of like you've was, become quite successful or very successful it was a weird time it, mm-hmm. for me it happened it all happened so f- really fucking fast you know just all of a sudden i was this famous youtuber like with that it felt like i click click my fingers mm-hmm. and it was overwhelming for everyone but i'm i what what I do remember is prior to that that explosion, I was grafting, making videos, and that's when it was weird. So like my teammates, I'd be I'd take a GoPro in the gym and I'd be talking to it, and like they was like, what the "Fuck's he doing?" Yeah. But I just I enjoyed creating a film like a video. I always thought in the back of my mind, if if I build a bit of an audience on YouTube, I have more chance of a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just very. This is when I had four thousand subscribers. Yeah. Um. And I enjoyed doing it, and I just sort of it was very weird. Even for my mum and dad, they're like, "What is he doing? Like, that's weird." And I think it's not until like today, or when stuff starts to happen, everyone's like, "Oh, all right." And the family embraced it and supported, it and then they got involved. And my friends were a lot of them were great. I never had sort of someone going, Ugh. but you know, there's that sort of I don't know environment of that. I think British gymnastics hated it because I was just doing this and. My teammates are like, whoa, this is cool. But the, what, what was cool for me is when it all started to happen, all the lads started doing YouTube. Like, the, oh, you know that. what I mean? Like, yeah. so, like culture, yeah. Yeah. so I knew that I'd inspired it. And also I knew that a lot of them did it, still do it a bit, and but a lot of them did it, realised how hard it is and they don't enjoy yeah. it and fall off to do it because they want that. But I think at the end of the day that a lot of the hate, I look at it very uniquely with just like empathy, particularly online, like comments or... I just feel sorry for that person that's in a place where they're taking time out of their day to call me a C-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it just comes from jealousy and they sort of want to grab people that are up there and bring them back down mm-hmm. to their level and they probably get a little dopamine hit when they okay, comment a horrible thing because it makes them feel better about themselves. I just think, you know, I used to going through it at the start, I used to hate it and you'd read that bad comment like you say, we focus on that. I'd be like, oh my God, I'd like feel a bit. That's not nice, but you know, if over time, if you look at it like that, where it's it's more on where that person is 
person's at in their life. And yeah. I feel so sorry for you that you may, must be that low to call me a cunt. <laughs> we stiff, you silly cat. Yeah. <laughs> we, we say this sometimes, though, and I've said this to quite a few people who have, have, have said stuff to me or said stuff to Lucy. Sometimes the point, if you're following someone, there might be a certain point in your life where you need to unfold that person. Not for the fact that the person's actually a cunt. It's for the fact that at this point in your life, you following that person doesn't do anything positive for you. Yeah. And the reason for that being is that some people will probably look at you and it holds up a mirror to them and it makes them look at themselves a lot more. And you're the kind of thing that's triggered that response. So they're going to lash out at you. And sometimes it's just a case that they might need to unfollow you for like three months. And the thing is, you're not fucking offended by that. You probably haven't even realized it's happened. Yeah, so for yeah. most people, it's probably better off that they do that sometimes, yeah. even if the influence is positive. Because for some people, it's just they're just not ready to take on board yeah. sort of what what you're putting out and the good shit that you're putting out and the laugh that you're having because it makes them look at their life and they're just yeah. they're not in a position where they may be in like a couple of months' time. Yeah. So I mean, it's same in like what you consume for me. What I consume is massive. Mm -hmm. Same on on social. What I'm like filling my my daily sort of, I don't know, mind with. Yeah. And then it's the same with the people in your life. You know, like, you, there's loads of cutting out friends. I do it I do it fast. Mm -hmm. Try to do it fast. And then, like, I've, over time, learned that you gravitate towards the people that you, that you want and where you're at. And, like, particularly when I was 100%. going through my bad, my bad spell, I was spending time with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. the, the, only because I wanted to party all the time and I wanted to just keep drinking. So I would I would gravitate towards the people that would do it with me, not the people that are like you two grafting, building a business. I'd be like, no, I want to go see them. So I think who you have in your life and what you consume and it's it's paramount, it's massive for me, mm. absolutely massive. I just love energy mm. and a good time. Like surround yourself with like ambitious people that work hard, that are on your vibe, and then just having a laugh. And you know, like moving in with my you know my cameraman lives with me now and. Next door's flat. We've got the top floor, top floor in Leeds with two flats. That's sick. And my two best mates, and we're all making content together. And you know, it took me a while to find that. I'd like after retirement, I spent a lot of time on my own, and I split up with my girlfriend at the time. And I was just like, "This isn't, this isn't what I want." Yeah, it's and not what you. No, kind of it's, this isn't me. It's isn't me. So then, you know, I've been brave enough to fucking go right. Let's do this, lads. And it's so good, so good. Do you feel like what you're, I suppose, experiencing now and what you're living now is is kind of, to some degree, what was suppressed through gymnastics during mm -hmm. that time period of where you really would have been able to do that sort of uni lifestyle, do whatever the fuck you want, no sort of um, regulations on you? Yeah, I've, I'm, in, I'm living my uni days. <laughs> <laughs> Just with a fuckload more money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did it the right way around. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, no, I do. I do love it. Look, we we have a we have a good time. Like it's, it's evident that we do. But also, we're on this vibe now where we we also we graft, and that comes first. And you know, sometimes the the work hard, play hard lifestyle isn't necessarily the healthiest or something that I'd tell people to do. But I think as long as us lot of like we talked about that self awareness, in control, can't see what's happening because it can easy. I feel like there's a there's a coin on its side. And it could even fall to heads or fall to tails. Yeah. So I think at the minute it's really new. We've lived together four weeks, um, but the last four weekends have probably been because it's not normal, and we're mm -hmm. excited and we're doing these cool things. We're meeting these cool people, and like I've told you, what we're like. So, but I think work comes first. I'm really passionate about content now. I've never really treated like a full time job because I've always had sport, and that always yeah. had to come first. So I was like, I always call myself the hybrid um, because you know a lot of people don't realize when i was making all when i was doing all this for the last three years i still had to train four to six hours a day like that what it was four, to, four six to six a hours a day i had to oh, i had to focus on my gymnastics and preparing for the olympics or the commonwealth games or what was coming up and then also i, I edited every single one of my videos up until i had about nine hundred thousand subscribers on did you really yeah so i was doing the filming coming up with the ideas doing it around training doing it like planning time and then going home and sitting for hours and hours and end with my laptop editing them all. It's like, I, I honestly look back and I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I think because yeah. people only start 20 minutes as well from what, or 30 minutes, whatever long the vlog was, you don't realize how much has actually gone into that piece. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's like incredible. hours of footage you've it's got tough. to like, yeah, it's tough. Go through and go through. You know, but now, now we've got a team and you know, my editor lives with me and it's, it's brilliant. And, and I really wanted to step away from that editing because it was like 15 plus, 15 to 20 hours a week. If I'm trying to get one or two videos, vlogs out. 
And I was like, I can't keep it up. But I think at the, at the time I, I was so, my self-esteem was so high because of how hard I was working and all the great things that was happening and stuff in gymnastics were good and YouTube would popping off. And so I just wanted to do the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like if that's it, sort of found something that I was passionate about and that I loved and it was a pleasure. It wasn't a stress yeah. or a burden. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay up till three tomorrow this, tonight to edit my video because I want to get it out. And yeah. I'm going to work, I'm going to bust my bollocks off in gym and. It was a tough balance. I think it was tough for my coaches as well. Because it's like, you don't make money in gymnastics. And then this, there was this weird thing, this effort reward cycle in gymnastics. You train your bollocks off for six months and then you have the major championships and then you may be a successful and win a medal. Then you go back to the gym and restart. There's two majors a year. Whereas I was now living this life where I created a video. Sort of hit every week. And then I go out and I get hundreds and thousands of numbers and dopamine and mm. comments and everyone saying I'm a fucking legend and also my bank account was I was getting rich so it's like how do you tell a 21 year old yeah. lad no you've got to do an extra three hours conditioning tonight Niall and you need to stay in the gym I want you longer in the gym when I'm like well, hold on a minute I just, I'd rather make a funny vlog and make yeah. lo like loads of money <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean so it was this weird weird time for, for me and for my coaches um, were they quite reasonable yeah, yeah, no, bit? and you know, like I've I retired because of injury. Like, who knows that it was too way too much for me? Maybe if yeah. if I was just a gymnast and just focused on recovering and my training focus, maybe I wouldn't have have had the injuries I had. You know, like you know, I hurt myself a few times filming some stupid shit where it's like, oh, I maybe shouldn't have done that, or you know, and it was just it was just so much. And I think over time that little pressure it was like a pressure cooker. Yeah, I got a pop. Then, you know, and then when my neck went, that was when I just. <laughs> Just do you think that injury there where you, where you fucked your neck up is almost was supposed to happen in your life yeah. and this opened up this other door because I, I snapped my leg playing footy when I was kind of being watched for a, a higher level club from where I was when I was 15 and that pushed, that was the only thing that started getting me into the gym which has now led me to what we're doing today yeah. I, I think that often happens do you think that is kind of if you didn't do that you could potentially still be in gymnastics and not fulfilling what you're doing now yeah I think, you know, I'm, I'm one, you know, the universe and I part, I think everything happens for reasons and like, I like thinking like that and I wouldn't, I don't regret anything and if I won't change a thing. Cause it made, it's literally made me who I am sat here right now today. Like I won't be this guy. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the only thing is just the pain. I've, I've retiring, like I miss competing. I miss feeling how I did, but I was in a lot of pain for a long time, man. It's just nice to fucking, <laughs> Just not have, not have pain every day. Like you wake up yeah. in so much pain. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I wouldn't have gone through and battled and learned and been at rock bottom and pulled my way out of it and met the people I did. And like I say, you can't, I think everything that, you know, life happens, it just, it just does, you know? And then like, I think the thing that I'm focused on now is just my attitude towards everything and like staying, on a vibe and working hard and trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't even really know if I'm like deadly obsessed being a YouTuber. I don't know if it makes me that happy. I've just got mm. pretty good at making videos. And like, but I think now it's it's a lot more fun making videos with my best friends and mm -hmm. making the videos I want to create. Yeah, of course. But so long when you retire, like you felt it, but the six months I was just like, I just went and played golf. Couldn't I couldn't cope with it. I didn't want to deal with what the hell I was or I wasn't or what, mm. what the next steps are. I was just like, Hit a ball around the golf, field. yeah, golf makes me think about golf only and it's another sport and it's giving me the obsessive of getting better at getting better at it. So I'm just gonna go play golf every day. <laughs> My it team were like, what are you fucking <laughs> doing now? You're gonna be broken in six months. <laughs> That's part of like natural human behavior though as, as human beings in regards to our psychological success we will always feel more rewarded for that that we achieve with other people than, than that than we achieve alone. Mm. And that's always been a thing. And that, I think that's probably why you, I, I would think it's probably one of the reasons why you're so happy and why you get that, those big dopamine hits because you're not just doing it on your own, you're doing it with like some of your favorite yeah. people as well. I can really imagine how, how good that feels. But what, what are sort of the next steps for you then? What have you got planned? What are you looking to do? What are you kind of looking to, to branch into from what you're already doing? Well, I mean, uh, at the minute, content's king, queen, and the royal family. Like, yeah. I just want to make funny. I just want to make great, great videos on all platforms, like mainly YouTube. Um, 
business is is really good we've got two gymnastics clubs now so like with you know making a real dent in gymnastics he's like over a million kids on waiting lists in this That's country amazing. for gymnastics That's incredible so trying to wow grow that business obviously as a business it'll be great to sell it for 50 million pounds in 10 years that's the goal but also give kids and adults and everyone access to more gymnastics if they can't get into clubs i just be i want to be the biggest supplier of gymnastics in the uk that's amazing um you know what what we do and my my family have sort of all stepped away now working for the for the business like my dad my dad's running the gyms and there's no better feeling that as well yeah definitely Definitely, no, I couldn't thank them enough. They do so fucking much. My sister's sort of my right-hand woman. She runs my life. Like She makes sure I am where I need to be, and she's sort of managing the little house, which is really cool. And then I've got my manager, Luke Sutton, who's just one of the most incredible human beings I've ever fucking met and helps me. He's got an incredible story and just an incredible bloke. Um, so, yeah, we're set, we're set up good, and... I don't know. Let's we'll see what happens. The thing I like being in this game is literally in six months' time, you could be comp- you meet a certain amount of people or go somewhere and make a certain video, and your life can just literally change like yeah. that. And you know, I've experienced that. I'm sure you, you know you two have experienced it. I mean, the biggest thing is the connections that you can make along the way. Yeah. Like yesterday, we'd never had a conversation before. Yeah. You have a conversation with people, like you sit down with people, you open up you're a lot, a lot of vulnerability in telling people about your life, and they're powerful connections that you make on a day to day basis, and you don't know where that connection's then gonna go to the day after the day after that and then yeah. you're going to meet the day after that I mean that's the thing that, that I find fascinating about it is how fast those sort of little yeah. things that, that come up every now and again and you don't even realise what implication that's going to have maybe in yeah. a week or a month's time that's it mate I've, I've learned in this game like 1 plus 1 equals 10 and yeah. I've just met you two today we've had a great chat we'll keep in touch and usually other people that I would meet is do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it opens doors yeah, like you might go message me next week and go so and so our friend is this and he wants to do gymnastics and this and that you know all the collabs that I've done mm-hmm. have just yeah. been through meeting people yeah, and yeah, like yeah. opportunities and then obviously we're working with Gymshark which is like Sick. one of the sickest brands that yeah. have great people around and it's just people 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 yeah uh, you know and hopefully I'm like that young cheeky chapper that can like <laughs> connect with someone and they go yeah, alright he's alright I'll do a video of him or I'll go for a beer with him or yeah and I fucking love it. I love that part of it. That's so, so, so much. I think I want to get out. I want to travel though. Mm. It's like with, with sport and that's just restriction because you can't. We, well, we had we had one week travel, off you're of you. you like swim camps, gymnastic camps. You can't do yeah. anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can't travel. Well, like, you do travel, but you don't travel. Like, you see the inside in of the gym air, yeah. and then inside <laughs> of the hotel. That's a, fuck me. I suppose that's a thing for you is that you've obviously done, I know that you spoke about, I've done a lot of traveling, but it's always been within the confinements yeah. of, of sport. And, and then suppose when you did move away from that COVID fucked, the, fucked you oh, up the yeah. ass as well so yeah but I, I mean as well I, I'd have loved to have done more and I had the money to do any any of it but it was like I couldn't because of gym mm-hmm. so now I think I'd love to go out to America I'd love to do the whole LA Hollywood thing just try and meet people in there because like the biggest people on particular on YouTube platforms they're all they're States. all yeah. in that place oh. out there yeah. so just to be able to meet some cool people maybe do some you know create some content with those people and just see a different you, you get wrapped up in your little bubble like i live in leeds fucking love leeds but we you know even going to this retreat in devon this weekend i've met some of the most coolest people it's like they're out there yeah <laughs> the world's a bigger There's place than you stuff, yeah. particularly like girls as well i'm single now so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm falling in love this weekend <laughs> um so if people want to find more of you where where can people find you uh youtube instagram now wilson n-i-l-e wilson spell out the river i said this before the podcast you know because i saved you my phone as n-i-a-l yeah i I don't think that's right but you'll (laughs) spell like the river nile that's right yeah very unique it is indeed it's one of my chat lines I thought I was going to say, you, have you flown like the river? <laughs> <laughs> you two are I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, this has been... You can keep that one though. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, add that one to your collection. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> <Go slap. laughs> um, no, but um, honestly, this has been such an incredible chat, conversation. Really, really appreciate no, it's been a pleasure. you coming I appreciate on. your time, mate, massively. No, and you just open up and being vulnerable. Because again, as I'm sure we did with the asha podcast we spoke a lot about mental health i'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will listen to this podcast especially guys who will take a lot away from it and be able to have those conversations hopefully with with other people who are close to them that they wouldn't have had before as well definitely 
100%. No, it's been brilliant. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Do. You, got, you guys got to do backflips with me at some point as well. Yeah, I'm a bit... I feel like, you, <laughs> I feel like you'll be right with that. I, feel I like used to do gymnastics. You'll do, it. you'll do it easy. I used to oh, do gymnastics. Yeah. Oh. I chose swimming over gymnastics when I was 11. Good, I was told good to choice. pick. Good choice. Yeah. Oh, I don't even <laughs> no, know. God, I don't think... Oh, fuck, yeah. Be like, no, we should have chosen Yeah, I rather... Ra no, to be fair, when I did gymnastics, I was quite scared. I think it's quite a scary sport. It is. You gotta, On the you gotta fucking have, you, beam. you got to be fearless. you got to be fearless to do what we do. I picked the pool. That's why I loved it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I seek adrenaline. adrenaline. I think I'm addicted to adrenaline. Amongst so good things, good things to be addicted to. Yeah. On the, on the sports side. Definitely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really skateboarding, mate. That's who you're getting into that? Skateboarding. Can you Tony Hawk over here? That's right. I'm gonna go tonight. Oh yeah. So that I can get my, I can get some adrenaline. Like I'll be top of top of a ramp, shitting my pants. I love that. I <laughs> that love, feeling. I live for that. That's why I love competing. Like competing, one of my favourite things. Cause it's like it's impossible to create this feeling. Yeah. Just sat there. Like you can't, it's like a drug, you can't it's do, like yeah. hormones running through your body. It's like, I, I, I'm 100% obsessed with adrenaline. I think that's the thing is where's, once you've got a hit, where does the next bigger hit come from? And I think yeah. that's what you've got to try and almost put a safety net around, haven't you? So you don't push it, mm. push it too far. But that as well, that, that was another struggle as an Olympic athlete. I mean, we're going back into another podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Lucy, just turn it off. <laughs> but there's no peak experience than being at Olympics winning a medal. Like you can't go anywhere from there. I didn't know that at 20. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, you know, I parted for 12 weeks because I was like, well, if I just have as much, as much vodka, I'll maybe get somewhere where I've just felt, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, sorry to just dive into it. I had it noted down here because that was one of the things I wanted to ask you. I think one of the, the quotes that I took from, it might have been your BBC interview, the risk was standing to outweigh the reward. How badly do I want an Olympic gold medal? I've got a medal and it's an object collecting dust. Does that not mean a lot to you now, would you say? Or maybe that's not the way, right way for me to phrase yeah. it. Is for a lot of people, that would be the fucking everything. Yeah. Does that not hold as much weight for you anymore? It didn't, like zero. Like, really? The memory, the memory, the feeling, the experience, the people, all of it, the actual thing. Like it gives me zero, like obviously the, the achievement does, but the, the the medal, I don't look at it and feel it. I don't feel anything when I look at it, like complete nothing. It was in the it was in like the um, central compartment in my car for six months. I forgot it was in there. Really? And I went to take it to a vent and just left it in the middle of my car. Like I honestly, it's, it's, I mean, I sound a bit of a dig saying that. Like obviously I care about, and it was a lifelong dream, but you realize particularly like I've, I've got all this, it's a material, it's yeah. another, yeah. like I say, it's another object. I've got all this stuff. I live in a penthouse in Leeds and I've, I've been sat there on my own with an Olympic medal in front of me, like wanting to take my own life. So you, you, you have less connection to these sorts of things as, as when I've experienced certain things I have, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, you know, the, if you're defining yourself by materials, which I was for a long time, views, numbers, medals, money, um, anything it, it's, it's it's it means nothing and then you sort of in this little i was in this little rat race of i was i was bound to just fall off a cliff because it's there's no substance to it it's sort of when i try to learn I'm on this process of defining myself or because of the person on the person that i am and the brother that i am and the boyfriend that i might be and the, the son and the friend and how people perceive me and you know just being a good guy not winning a gold medal mm -hmm. do you know what i mean well, I, I spend my life t putting people off, I'd probably say is the right word, doing bodybuilding competitions for the for the reasons that for a lot of people, it's not done the right way. They come out of eating disorders or poor relationships with food or mm. poor relationships with exercise. And they really idolize this one day of the whole year and it becomes really unhealthy. It Speaking to people like yourself, it's so then strange to see how that sort of has transpired into other sports as well and potentially sports that we didn't know was happening how those unhealthy sort of habits and behaviors do occur elsewhere as well and i think it's what what we do a lot in bodybuilding is even amateurs will look up to those top people like the arnold to phil heaths and try and emulate day to day what they do these really bad habits and i think that's really really good why gymnastics has got you as a role model to say I've, I've been there, I've won this, but I've also now live a life, I'm healthy, I go for booze up at the weekend. I don't give a shit and I'm very open and transparent and speaking about mental health. Yeah. And I've, I think personally, from from obviously, from what I've, I've read about you, seen about you and meeting you in person as well, you are 
an absolute golden boy of, of gymnastics for all those other reasons, not what you've won and achieved, but for what you've done for the sport and what you can do in the future as well for the sport, even through your gyms and stuff as well, knowing what you already know and what you can put into practice. Yeah. I'm massively thankful that they've got you there for that and massively thank you for you giving your time for us today, mate, because it, it means a lot, honestly. No, mate, thank you so that. Mate, I appreciate needed it. that. I needed that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but any, anyone who <laughs> listens to the podcast as well, please, if you're going to share it on story and stuff, tag me, Lucy, and Niall in your Instagram story because we would love to see your feedback from watching it and listening to it. If you've got any questions or anything that you want to drop into the onto the YouTube channel, please feel free to do so. Continue to leave reviews for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next one. See you later. Bye, guys. See you later, yeah. <laughs> Remember, acceptance is the answer to all of our problems. <laughs> a little mic drop. Boom. Oh, oh that was wow, so good. Oh, God, I could have talked to you for hours. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat>